so good. Woo, God is good, amen. <laughs> and my voices have been singing, I'm a little, <laughs> you don't interrupt the man when he's doing his thing, right? So good. It's awesome. It's good to be in. Thanks, team. It's good to be in God's house again. So good. I just had a, I had a couple of, um, just a couple of words for a few people here. Um, it's this guy down here with a hat on. I couldn't see you from over there, but I think that is um, Monique and uh, Chris. Chris, I fe- and I just felt like that God wants to unlock you, bro. I felt like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to put anything on you that's condemning, but I felt like God's saying, man, I'm going to unlock you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I'm going to, you, you've been locked up, you, felt, you feel like you've been locked up, God's going to unlock you and you're going to be broken free in Jesus' name right now. Pray for you, mate. And I just, um, I had another word for a lady. I'm actually just going to come down for a second because there's someone I just want to pray for. Uh, whom I haven't known very well or for very long, but I love already. Um, oh, is this, this lady down here, this all beautiful lady right here, can I, yeah, I, I don't know, can you just stand up for a minute, I just want to pray for you, because I, I just saw God's spirit on you, and I just feel like he wants to come right now, and he just wants to do something in your life, I don't know what that is, but I felt like he's saying, man, you're, you're like my woman, you're a beautiful woman, and, and, and God loves you, and cares for you, he knows about you, and he just wants to encourage you this morning, so just, God bless you today in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, just fill her, Lord, afresh, Lord, right now, Lord. Every chain be broken, Lord. Where there's not a way, Lord, you can make a way, Lord, because you're an amazing God, Lord, and your promises are always yes and amen. So just bless you today. Amen. And this, um, we've got the minis. Um, you guys are last service Sunday here. And um, so I just, I need a name refresh right now. This is Malcolm and Elise. Um, and you guys are heading back to South Africa, and you finally got some summer. <laughs> hey, they come, and it, all it did was rain, and it rained, and as you know, we all live here, and it rained, and we complained about the weather, breaking my finger holding onto this, and, uh, but it's summer, and I just, I was doing some research or some study this week, and this, um, and, and there was, I was, I was listening to a commentary, and, um, and the guy was talking about Abimelech and how uh, there was Abraham and there was Isaac. And he talks about Abimelech, and, but Abimelech is like not the same Abimelech that Isaac met with and spoke with. But Abimelech was like a dynastic name. And I was like, dynastic? And I felt like God has a dynastic like anointing on you and calling on you and your family... It's like a, a royal family, like your own family I'm talking about. And I felt like that there's something that you carry as a, um, as a couple and it's something that you've, you've, I don't know, you've contended for things in your family because your family is the way it is because you've prayed for it and you've labored for it and you've believed God for it. And, and um, I, I feel like that God wants you to know that your family is in good hands. Like what you've, what you've sown into is going to bring a great harvest. And so I just want to encourage you today, and maybe if you can stand up, I'll just pray for you quickly. Is that all right? Lord, just thank you, Lord, for this amazing couple, Lord. Lord, for bringing them to New Zealand, Lord, for this, their time here, Lord. And Lord, as a church, Lord, we just want to bless them, Lord. 
and pray for them, Lord. Lord, fill them now afresh, Lord, with your spirit, Lord. Lord, that it would be the strength, Lord. And even in their later years, Lord, there would be a strength of, of youth within them, Lord. And there is, there is now, but it would become even greater, Lord. And so we just thank you for them, for Malcolm and Elise. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, so, good. This, you guys. And it kind of like segues nicely into, into the message today. And I, obviously, it's, uh, we had a, it's the long weekend. We've got Waitangi Day that we get to have a holiday tomorrow. Hey, who's excited about that? And the weather's looking pretty good. And, um, and so we observe Waitangi Day, and it's the signing of a treaty between two peoples. And it's actually, it's actually quite, a, quite a beautiful document quite a beautiful thing, and it's helped to, uh, it's not perfect, but it's helped to s- sustain us as a nation, um, and it helps us remember to point forward, um, and to remember that there is a journey together, and uh, as Māori and, and Pākehā, so, and, and if, you're, if you're not either one of those two, you fit into Pākehā, right, you just by default. That's, that's what you fit into. Uh, and I love how it's a written document. And I feel like it's, you know, it kind of, it, it, in some ways, it's, it's almost like the Bible where it's a document between, you know, two, two people, you know, God and, and, and us. And, and it's his covenant with us. And so I love, I love that. And so I want to welcome you. Tēnā koutou katoa. E hariana, e manawanui anau, ki te kite, e koutou ki nei. Uh, no mai ki tēnei Whārikarakia o Peak Vision Church. Uh, ko Ken Thompson tōku ingoa. Nō reira tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. So, I'm happy to see you today here at Peak Vision Church. My name's Kent. Welcome. Good to see you. So, uh, and so I love cultures and I love how God has made us all different. It's a primo thing. And you're all, you know, all part of God's plan. Uh, just a bit of stage, stage rearranging. It's too close. Can I put this? What? It's like I don't know. No offense, Jay, but these are a pain, right? I don't even know where to put it. It's <laughs> amazing. And so it's good, good to be here. Uh, and how many of you feel sometimes that uh, in life you can run into a dead end? Or you're following directions. Before we had Google Maps, anybody remember that? And you're, you, know, you had the map book with the page, and then it went on to another page. But it wasn't the next page over. You had to like, skip a few pages because it was down in like, the next like, three or four, five pages down. And you're, on the, you're in Auckland, and you don't live in Auckland. And so you were like, trying to navigate the motorway or something. And then I remember mum being in the car, you know, in the HQ Holden Color Brown. And... And Dad's driving, and we, you know it's hot, and there's no air conditioning, and you're sticking to the vinyl seats, and you're trying to navigate the map. And he's like, "Avril, tell me what the heck? Where is it?" She's like, "Oh, Murray, you just went past it. Like, how are we gonna get back? It's gonna be on F6 now. You know, turn to F6. I don't know what page number that is. You know, it's like we're we're just navigating our way to a dead end. You know what I'm saying?" Anybody testify, you know, if you've grown up with that traumatic childhood, you know, I can pray for you after this. It's going to be all right. But we're navigating our way to a dead end, and we don't know where we're going. And sometimes, you know, and even in light of past 
of the, of the past recently, we've been navigating our way maybe into a dead end. We don't know what it's going to bring. And there's this level of uncertainty in so many areas of our life. And there's this story in the Bible where it says uh, where, where that very thing is happening. And it's in Genesis 26, and it says, and I, it says there was a famine in the land, and besides the previous famine, because there had been famines before in Abraham's time, and Isaac, it's about this guy called Isaac, Abraham's son, he went to Abimelech, the king of Philistines in Gerar. He went to Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in the land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. Um, for to you and your descendants I will give these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham, and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. It's a whole lot of kids right there. And I will give them... And his wife's like, Holy, you know, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> uh, and I will... <laughs> And I'll give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham, your father, obeyed me, and I did everything, and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, my instructions. So Isaac stayed in the land. He stayed in Gerar. And, uh, and so I feel like, you know, this, to, to add some, I, some, just to point out the obvious, there was a famine in the land, and God says, Stay in the land and sow in the land. Stay in the land and sow in the land, even though there's going to be a famine. Now, the dumb thing to do, and, and this is what Abraham did, is he went down to Egypt when there was a famine. And the Nile overflows there, and there's, there's usually enough, and there's usually plenty in Egypt. And God says, don't go down there. I'm going to provide another way. It's, you're going to sow, and I'm going to give a harvest. Okay? Very cool. And this... So, but when you read this, right? Because I know that you read the Bible, right? When you read it, this, this, the story sounds the same as Abraham's story, and there's common elements. And the, the common elements are that the, they both they're both called by God. They both experience famine. They both want to leave the land. They both practice wife sister deception. And you're like, oh, this got weird. Yeah, it, it does. But um, you can read about that later. Both quarrel with the locals over land and water. Both receive assurance from God. Both offer sacrifice. Both establish a treaty with Abimelech at Beersheba. And so the passage is seen as... Well, what, what's the writer trying to do? He's, trying to, he's not adding in new details. He's not telling you about Isaac's camel race that he had, you know, with the Philistines and how he won. He's not telling you new details or anything. He's just telling you the same narrative, basically, the same story with the same elements. And, and so, uh, and what's he doing? The, he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to bring us in on on the promise. He's bringing Isaac in on Abraham, Abraham's promise. He's saying, just like I promised to Abraham, my promise is true to you. God's letting us in on his goodness to us. He's letting us in on his faithfulness to us. He's letting us in that he's a multi-generational blessing God. So many good things are happening right now. Yes. And, uh, and so it's, it's very cool. Is it the same story? It sounds like the same story, but no, it's not. 
It's, and so the passage that we see is personal. So it's personal to Isaac, but it's, uh, I want to use the word, don't judge me, transpersonal. Which, and what I mean by that is extending or going beyond the personal individual, transpersonal. It's, it's bigger than what we are. So what's, what God is talking to me about in my life is for me, but it's also bigger than that. Right. It affects other people. Yeah. It's personal, but it's, it's bigger. It's transpersonal. It's going to impact others. Okay? And so that's what's, that's what's kind of going on here. And I believe that's how God, God works as well. And so, uh, and so that's, that's, he says, because Isaac is seen entering into the story of God and the story of Abraham, it's bigger than we think. It's bigger than Isaac realized it's transpersonal. And he said, because he says in verse 3, I will be with you and I will bless you and establish the oath. And so he's part of the promise. Okay? And so uh, it is um, to show us Oh, sorry, it's his unbroken promise flowing through broken people and broken circumstances, which is a time of famine. And even in Isaac's time of failure, God still shows his unbroken promise flowing through broken people and a broken circumstance and even famine and failure. And so there are New Testament scriptures to highlight this, this promise or this idea that we have this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, right? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are, we are hard-pressed. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. And we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Okay, good, good New Testament scripture. Another one, no temptation. This is amplified, so it's a little bit louder. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you. That is not common to human experience. So this idea that the elements can be common, but the way God uh, navigates us through temptation or through um, difficult times, through dead-end roads, is personal. But yet... Even if it's personal, it's, it still becomes transpersonal. It still becomes bigger than us. So the problem that you're going through, the problem that you're facing, or the problem you've just faced, or the problem you're about to face, is as you get older, you realize that this is the, the vicious cycle. Yeah, and it is, is, is both going to be answered personally, but also impact transpersonally. Okay? Cool. Yeah, I thought it was good. And so we'll carry on reading that verse. It's common it's, that it is not common, uh, entice you, that is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. And we think, man, there are some unusual temptations going on out there. And God says, no, nah, it's all happened before. It's not uncommon. Um, and God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. In- interesting thing about sin and temptation is it always tries to um, be uh, unique. You know, It's like, oh, you're the only person like this. You're the only one like this. It's just, it's just got you, and it's got nobody else. And it's like, God's going, no, no, I know about it. Uh, but along with the temptation, he has, in the past and 
and is now and will always, love the Amplified, uh, provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. There's a promise, there is a strong promise there. If you're struggling with something, if, you've, if you're not getting through something, if you've got an addiction or a problem, God's saying, hey, this, that's, that's common. I've, I've, I have the power then, now, and for the future to help you overcome it. In actual fact, when we, when we, when we read that about the word, because one of the words that they use there is that temptation will seize you. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's like seizing me. Actually, it's, it's a little bit different to that. It, it's about, and Jay shared about it. He said, he said, he said, about the things that, he talked about the things that come on us, you know? And the second part of, of this is, will we take hold of them? And so that to seize is more like saying, of that which is taken uh, is not let go of. So it's, so the scripture saying, it's still your choice, bro. You know? If we had a, a New Zealand version of the Bible, the um, NZHB, that's what it would be. I'm reading from the NZHB. It's the New Zealand Holy Bible. Uh, it would be, it's still your choice, bro. You know? <laughs> um, so, and, and, so it's, it's transpersonal temptation. It's common to man. And the temptation may be transpersonal, but the way of escape is personal. And the solution to the famine for Isaac was personal in the way that God said, stay here. And so it's different for, it can be different for each person, but yet it complements all of us, helps all of us. And so the idea of, this idea of being, God being personal and being like transpersonal, it, it, it helps us with protecting against two things. One is meism. Me, meism is when like my relationship with God is superseding everything else that's going on around. And my relationship with God is, is you don't know God how I know God. You know, and, and I've been fasting about this for, for weeks now, you know? And when I pray corporately, which is in a group, I use I and me and not us and we. You can hear it in the language. So it's a meism. And meism people don't like big church or big gatherings because it can't be about them. I don't have enough say. I don't have enough influence. They don't like big church. Huh? I was just like, finally, I've found you. You little, I want to grab you by the neck. Put, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later, Jay, what I want to do about that thing. This guy talk. And, um, but, it, okay, so meism, and then the other one is deism. Which so deism, I had to write this down, emphasizes the concept of natural theology that that is God's existence is revealed through nature, that, that God doesn't really work in our individual life. It's just a clockwork machine that you set it and it goes. 
That's, that's the other extreme, which is deism. This is very impersonal. God doesn't know the amount of hairs on your head. And it becomes very impersonal and very kind of un, uncaring. And so, and, uh, but, but obviously with, with, with big gatherings, you can feel alone. You can feel unseen. And so it can feel, it can feel impersonal. So what do, what do we do? We, we gather in small groups. What do we do? We gather with God alone. So it's not, it's not one or the other, it's both and. And you know what? Early Christians gathered in big groups until people started killing them. And they thought, okay, we'll just stop that for a bit. <laughs> Church of, church of my house. Uh, but it's true. And all, I mean, we talk about it and it's kind of, we joke about it. But man, what a time to live in. That, that's crazy. Defending your faith to the point of death. I think there's a, there's a New Testament scripture that mentions that. You haven't even shed your blood yet. What are you complaining about? You know? So, oh, mate. Um, uh, so there can be a danger of being lost in the crowd. And we don't want that either. So we can push against meism and deism, and you know this shows us that it's healthy to to fight both of those. Yeah, and the famine is our launching pad. In actual, actual fact. And so, what to do when God leads us into famine? <laughs> Learning to live with lack or a famine could be your future. Oh, mate, I'm writing that down. You know, could be. And you say, Ken. Is that even biblical? <laughs> Come to church. Is, is that even biblical? <laughs> We're going to have a famine. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> End times preacher, you know. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. You need to decide that. Go home and study it. No. So the apostle Paul writes, he says, I've learned to live with a lot. And I've learned to live with a little. Come on. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what? And then he says this, that we all love to quote. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're talking about famine. We're talking about lack. Oh, yeah, there it is. Beautiful. So, yeah, it is biblical. And a good quote from Rose Grant, nothing worth having ever comes easy. Where's, oh, where, where are you? Where's she gone? Oh, over there. You on that side today? Yeah. There's too much freaky stuff on that side. <laughs> It was actually your mum uh, or someone else. Um, so what do we do when God leads us into famine? What do we do? We stay in the land. Number one. The Lord appeared to Isaac said, don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in the land for a while. Um, and the easiest thing is to go, as I said, is to go to Egypt. Which kind of, in some ways, some Bible scholars would say that that represents the world. 
easiest thing. Because often we, we do that and we look for a way to figure out our problems and things like that, and then we talk to God about it. God's saying, hey, just listen to me. Talk to me about it first. Seek me first, the kingdom of God. So God said, stay, Isaac obeyed. And this, mes- this message might be not what you want to hear. You know, you might not want to hear this message. I might not want to preach the message to you. Having an arm wrestle with God. having an arm wrestle with God about the word this morning because I wanted to talk about believe. This is a message about believe because believe is our theme and I've written an awesome message about believe and it's so good. It's like a world-changing, world-class message. I'm going to speak it to you next week. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) But, but, But I've already, God's saying, I've already given you the message to preach, so obey. Just letting you in on my world for a minute. Because I know that it's personal for me, but it's transpersonal. It's going to help you as well. Because you know what? What God said to you, you need to obey too. Oh, it's good. In the Greek, that means do what you're told. (laughs) Because this is not just about you come here. This is not just about getting information. You know, we could print something, print something off the internet. We could put it up on the screen. I can read it to you. Boring. There's no revelation in that. This is about revelation. This is about you coming here, experiencing the power of God operating as we gather together corporately in his name under, under his banner. And, and if, if everything happens right you know, if you listen with the right ears and if you listen with the right heart, then in actual fact, I won't have to say a word. I'm serious. Because you can be sitting there listening for the word of the Lord for your life and the speaker is talking about bananas and God's talking to you about something really personal in your life. When you listen... And you hear with the right heart. And the scripture says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What it, what it also says is, let him keep on hearing. Because we hear, and then we stop hearing. And if we don't return back to God for more hearing, for more revelation, then what we do is we start to, we kind of start to formalize God's idea that he's given us, and then we kind of, you know, kind of just get, kind of get used to that, and then that idea sort of crystallizes, and then after that kind of crystallization period, it's dead. And you've got to return back to God for fresh revelation, for fresh food, you know what I'm saying? And, and I was, you know, I've been in that place too, and I, I, it can be hard. But you've got to sow in the land. Okay, and that's what we're talking about on this message. All right. So, uh, so let me just check my notes here. Give me, give me two seconds. I just kind of lost my place. Uh, when you listen with the right ears. Both operated by faith. Both, so both operate by faith. Both by staying and both by going. Abraham and Isaac. 
They both experience famine, but with personal differences. But when God says stay, what does that look like? Staying in the midst of a difficult situation, staying in the midst of a difficult job, staying for a Christian is one of the hardest things you can do because we're always being led. Hmm? We're always being led. There's always just another church down the road I can go to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm going there, people. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did your mum spank your bottom? Yep. Well, maybe that's what you're going to get today. I don't know. (laughs) But we need the encouragement and we need the challenge. Because how can anyone get to know you when when we constantly move around? We've got to dig in and sow into the land. That requires some hard work. It requires some commitment. And so what, so uh, yeah, one of the greatest challenges of a Christian is staying in the midst when things are difficult. Whether you're staying in ministry, a job, a school, you have the ability to get out. Should you leave or should you trust God? Should you, should you fix it? And one pastor's advice is this. He says, stay in the one, I like how it says one pastor's advice because nobody wants to put his name to it. <laughs> one, one person, it's not me. Uh, one, stay in one place, stay in one place long enough for the grace of God to work in you and through you. Yeah. This, and he says, oh, okay, I, was, I thought that was like the, yeah, that's good. Stay in one place long enough. He's got more to say. There's like a couple of paragraphs, so I'm going to read it. Stay in one place long enough for the grace of God to work in you and through you. This is leadership effectiveness, which is, there's some points, love to others, being a servant, courage to act in humility, to disciple others in the face of resistance. I like the context of that one. Eh? To disciple others in the face of resistance. The ability to command respect by maturity of life so others feel they are being led in a Christ-like direction. That's leadership effectiveness. So the conclusion, he says, the best way this kind of development takes place is by staying under one set of leaders to give them enough time to know you so that the obvious impossibilities of servant ministry in your own strength can be pointed out. And even, even that said, meism will take you on a ministry journey that will ruin your family's life. Because I've seen that happen. I've been in church long enough to know. 40 years. And he's like, oh man, that fella is looking good. No. <laughs> more or less, more or less. And... Uh, But, he goes on to say, but usually this doesn't come very soon if a man moves about too much. People just don't get to know him, and he moves on before he gets humbled by seeing how impossible ministry is. Quote from Jack Lamborn, Pastor Jack Lamborn, bro, this is the hardest job you'll ever do. I'm like, yeah, cool, that's encouraging, write that down, you know. Uh, It's one thing, he goes on to say, it's one thing to see things happen with others leading, it's another to see them happen to you and through you, and that takes time and sweat. So stay in the land. When we leave with frustration, we aren't becoming part of the solution. And I understand 
the law of the lid. I understand the elastic band. I understand John Maxwell when he says that. And, and, I, hate, and I hate that that's a thing. And I don't want that to be a thing in our church ever, that there is a law of the lid. And I've, I've been under ministry, uh, you know, leadership, where there's the law of the lid operating, and it's, it, it, it's true. And it's, and, it's, and it's frustrating, but it does something for me, for you, for us. It's personal, but it's transpersonal. So the reason why I'm speaking to you today about this is because I've been a recipient of, I don't know if that's the right, right way to say that, uh, that's how they say it in America, and um, so we've got a few American people, hey, we're online also, which is really cool, because we're live again, and we haven't been live for a while, and I forgot to make a shout out to you guys watching, so it's just like so good to see you right there, watching, recipient. I've been on the receiving end, I've been under leadership like that as well, so yeah, it's good, we got that one done, and, and... So I don't want, I said to Pani, I don't want to, I don't want to be, be a lid for people, you know? A lady come in, she, tells, she said to me, what's your vision, Pastor Kent? And I'm like, I'm like, actually, you know what? This is well, it was a while back. I have a vision. I have a vision for the church. I have a love for the church. I think God's church is amazing. I think that we forget that it's his church. It's not my great idea. It's not our great idea. We're just servants in the body of Christ, fulfilling our role. This is his church. It's his beautiful body that he died for and he laid his life down for. It's not man's idea. So just remember that. Just remember that when you start having a crack at the church. Ever had anyone had a crack at one of your kids? How do you feel about that, Dad? We're going downtown. <laughs> to the woodshed. To the train station. Whatever it is for you. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, number two. Number two. Trust in the Lord. And you're like, yeah, that's a boring point, Kent. Trust in the Lord. <laughs> but when you're in a dead-end street and you have to sow... Oh, this is where trusting in the Lord is built. This is where faith arises, right? This, this is where it's tested. For, for the command to come alive, because it's a command, trust in the Lord. For the command to come alive, we need to see the opposite. We need to be in the famine. For faith to be operating, we need to be in, in lack. It has no opportunity otherwise. It's a gift of God. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face many trials of many kinds so that God can work in your life. Character can be built. I don't know. What does it say? You know the scripture I'm talking about. And so, um, or, do we, or do, we, do we kick into survival mode because we feel threatened? Man, I felt threatened when my large, last mortgage payment went out. Oh, Help for, for ransom. Uh, and um, uh, do we kick into survival mode? Do we feel threatened? Is it, it's our instinctive response to pull back and to hide or, or to attack others and go after others when pressure comes on. Are we, 
you know, it's, what do they say, fight or flight? Remember Adam in the, in the Bible when God came looking for him? And what did he do? He hid, retreated, pulled back. Natural response. But God was looking for reconciliation with him. And, and Isaac did not honor his wife by calling her his sister. I don't know how you feel about that, ladies, in the room. So Isaac, they said, oh, who's that with you? And, she's, and he's like, um, that's my sister. And I, oh, sweet ass. I know this is going really quiet right now. And then Abimelech is like looking out his window and he sees Isaac, Isaacing his sister. You know, laughing, it says, which is, which is what Isaac means, I think. And so they're, they're laughing. <laughs> He's Isaacing with him. And he's like, whoa! Pulls him in. Said, you, that's, that's, that's not how you treat your sister! And he's like, he's like that's, that's actually my wife, bro. And he's like, whoa, you could have, one of the guys could have, like, you know? And then we would have been, like, in trouble! He's like, my bad. And the way we treat our wives under pressure is the way our kids will treat their spouses under pressure. Oh, there it is. Hey, yeah. how do you go when you're under pressure? You know, because trusting the Lord is when you're operating. Pressure. Not to be confused with like, stop, collaborate and listen. Kent is back with the brand new invention, something. Yeah, so... Uh, how are we going for time? Oh, I'm way over. Like, it's time to finish. Uh, okay, so we'll get the keys back up here. A little um, screen up there is not working, so I didn't see the time. That's my excuse. So his job, Isaac's job, was to protect his wife at all costs, and he didn't do that. That's what I was talking about earlier with his failure. And But... If you want to see a picture of grace, this is it. Isaac reaped a hundred times what was sown. God blessed him in spite of his shortcomings. God exposed his shortcoming and Isaac changed. It's his unbroken promise flowing flowing through broken people and broken circumstances. It's his unbroken promise flowing through broken people and broken circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. If I wanted to jump into the New Testament, I would say, I'm, I'm thinking of Paul. Well, should I go on sinning? Uh, and Paul's like, no. Just to add that little context back in. And the last one is that he gives seed to the sower. And interestingly enough, we were talking, we did a, a, like a pre-service talk on the online today, which is the first time we've done this. And for some of us, we're very excited about it. Other people just, they don't really care at all because they don't watch it. But 
we enjoyed that and it was fun and we had Esther and Sarah there and, and, the, and the team and so they were interviewing um, a few people about life groups and things like that and, uh, and we were talking about the message today and we were talking about sowing in a dead end, you know, sowing in a, in a famine and interesting thing about, you know, your seed is that it's actually already dead, you know, it's like it's a dead time and you're sowing dead seed. But often it's not until we arrive at that place of things being not very good that God can get our attention, that we can actually decide to, to trust him, point two, trust in the Lord, that we can actually decide to trust him and see him do something amazing in our lives. Why don't you stand with me today? Maybe we'll revisit this. There's a couple more things I'd like to add. But when you, I want to say this, when you connect the promise to the seed, all you will produce is the promise. So when you connect the promise or the seed to the promise, all you'll produce is the promise. And a good way to illustrate that is Abraham and Sarah. So Isaac's dad, Abraham, and, and God spoke to Abraham, or the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, you're not going to be the father of many nations. You're going to be father of nations. And they are, Sarah's barren. You know, it's a, it's, she can't have babies. It's a, it's a bad situation. They're a little bit put out from the community because of this, a little bit judged. And um, Sarah laughs and Abraham laughs. And, and then they, they laugh about God's promise. And so then Sarah has an idea and she decides to work it out. And she says, hey, Abraham, you should sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. And when, when I think of Hagar, I think, man, that is, that's one sexy name. <laughs> I just couldn't resist that joke. Uh, anyway, so, so Abraham, being a guy, he says, you know what? I think that's a good idea. <laughs> right? <laughs> what an idiot. Hey, that's what all the fellas are thinking. What, a, what, a, what an idiot. And, uh, and so, so what happens is that Hagar gets pregnant and she gives birth to Ishmael. Right? And God's like, that's not the one, bro. That's not the, where the promise is coming through. But Ishmael is like a nation now. Hmm? Middle East? Islam? Attributed to Ishmael. So when you connect your seed to the promise, you're going to give the promise. That's what's going to happen. And so even when, even when, even when, follow me around, <laughs> distracting me, I'm not used to that. But even when Abraham mustered up, God's still good on his promise. He said, you're still the father of nations, just not the nation I was planning. But when you connect the seed to the promise, 
all you'll produce is promise. It's a good thing Sarah didn't have any other ideas, otherwise there'd be a whole lot more nations floating around the place. I hope that's okay, hon. I don't mean anything disrespectful by that. So what does it look like for us today? It looks like us loving our spouse. It looks like us serving them. Yeah, I said the S word. It looks like us looking after them. It looks like us sitting down with our kids and listening to them. It looks like us listening to their music. Is there something funny going on over there? It looks like us listening to their, to their music and asking open-ended questions. What do you like about this artist? What, what do you like? I remember when Hannah was started listening to Billie Eilish. I was like, oh, mate, she makes me want to put pins in my eyes, you know? Like, let's all go do that, you know? And I was like, hang on, Ken. And I remember, I remember um, one preacher saying, he said, you know what? You've got to understand why your kids like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You've got to understand, listen to them. So this is your homework, mums and dads. Go listen to their music. In your house. Don't be like, no, you're not, you're not, you're not playing that. that. Death, evil, demonic thing I'm going to cast it out. You know, it's like, come on, just chill. God, you, you, you're stronger than that. Yeah, okay. It's your house. Okay. You have authority. We've established that. And listen to why they love that music. Find out Open them, it'll open them up. Open up the conversation. For some reason, I really wanted to stay on that because I feel like, you know, our, our, our role as parents is critical. Like, we don't, we don't talk about it enough. We don't have enough encouragement about it. We don't have enough um, seminars about it or something. I don't know. Uh, but, but look at the people that you're friends with and look at their kids and see if you want the same relationship that they have with their kids, if that's what you want for your life. Because if you hang around with them and that's how you do things, then that's what you're going to get. But, when you, but if you want something better than that, then you need to find the people who have better than that and you need to be with them. Do you know what I mean? Because I have a friend and I love the relationship that they have with their kids. And I think, and, and, and I, work, I work with this friend for like, for like nine years or something. And I think, man, I want that, oh, I want that relationship too. And I'm just gonna finish right now. Okay, sorry guys. So one, renounce. Oh, no, sorry, I've gotta, I've gotta stop. Because my summary was summarizing the whole message and we haven't got through the whole message, so it's not gonna make any sense to you. So I'm gonna crash the plane right now and just gonna like stop there and I want to say, if you want to know Jesus, this is, the, this is the time now. And we're going to say a prayer. You can invite him into your heart to be Lord of your life. And it's, it's the most beautiful thing. It's just the most simple thing to do. God's already done the heavy lifting for us. So if that's you today, and I'll get all of us to pray together, then pray with me and say this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for leading me here today. Thank you for the price you paid for me by dying on the cross. I believe in my heart that you are Lord, that you died and rose again. 
please forgive me of my sin. Thank you, I'm made right with you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So good. And so if, if you want to, um, if you've said that for the first time, I just want to say how proud I am of you and how awesome it is. It's an exciting thing to start the journey with God. And if you want some prayer or you want to come up for anything that you need, something spoken to you today, then the prayer team will be up here. I'd love to meet you if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time as well. So I'll leave you with the team and uh, have an amazing day. Love you guys lots. See you later. Awesome. So good.